0: Good evening, everyone, and thank you very much for joining us. Uh, my name's Patrick Nelson, and um, I'm the uh, MD of Reach Markets and the Reach Trading Team. Uh, we're joined tonight by Robert Risk, who's uh, Business Development Manager at Sasquana International. And um, Robert's got a—you know—we all know what Sasquana do as options traders, but he's got a really interesting background. He's joined us tonight to share some of the experiences that he's had as a market maker. The experiences that he's had as a trader, to have a discussion about the things that he looks at in the market and how he goes about doing things, and also to shed some light into what's been happening in the market recently and the impact that that's had on market makers and, and, and some insight into sort of the, the, how, how that plays out and uh, maybe even some, uh, I guess, some hints for us as traders about how better to deal with market makers, how to get better bills and what's going on in their world as well. Um, uh, so Rob Roby, welcome and thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thanks, Patrick. Thanks for having me. And I think Ivan, have we got you online as well? i my well, apologies. Uh, I'll get someone to put you in the in the uh, in the, uh, in, the uh, in the welcoming slides, but I think yeah. Ivan too love we've got here as well. <laughs>
1: but I'm used to getting shafted by you all good.
0: <laughs> uh, uh, it, uh, it, this time it wasn't on purpose, Ivan, but... Um, <laughs> you just couldn't find that awesome... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, anyway, so tonight's session, uh, I joined, Ivan uh, is the uh, founder of Tradefloor, provide the risk management systems that the majority of retail brokers in Australia use, uh, and he also has built the technology that we use, our implied uh, volatility platform, and... Um, and uh, is is a, is a very experienced options guy trader and so forth. And, and this session tonight is not about Ivan or myself. We're just here to have, I guess, we're referring to as a fireside chat to the discussion. Each week we talk to a, a trader, an industry professional. Um, you know, it could be a private trader or a professional or, or, or a combination of the both, or someone from the industry and from uh, and and have a chat. And it's an open session, so um, you know, if you've got questions. You uh, just to hold them into the chat box. Um, and you can, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting some, uh, someone's asking me while I'm u- why I'm using my school photo on the intro page. Um, <laughs> there Tough might have been fun. a lot of work done on that one. That was my most recent photo, Brian, I'll have you know. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, look, it, t- tonight in, e- in each one of these sessions, uh, these are focused on, and, and for those of you that might be joining us, for the first time, uh, understand that these sessions are designed for people who are options traders. And if you're not an options trader, if it's something that uh, you're new to, we might be using terminology that that you're not familiar with. Uh, Don't worry about it. The core concepts behind trading uh, always ring true. And, um, and, you know, uh, you should be able to gather something from this. But the the sessions are designed for people that are traders or serious about getting into into trading. before we kick, we kick off, I'll do the obligatory disclaimer. Uh, all of any advice contained in tonight's presentation is general only. It doesn't take into consideration your personal circumstances and you need to decide for yourself whether they're appropriate for you. Past returns are not an accurate indicator of future returns. And we'll all be talking from our own personal position tonight, so it's not necessarily reflecting the business. We're having it as an open and honest Conversation about trading, and uh, not necessarily reflecting the opinions of the said firms that we represent. So there you go. I'll cover everyone there with the disclaimer, and I'll also make the point that if you're interested in trading, or you're interested in trading options, it's risky, and you need to understand what you're doing. You need to make sure you educate yourself, and only do things that you understand. All right. Um, So there you go. There, by way of introduction. Um, and so what I'm going to do now is we, we don't have a slide deck to go through tonight. I'll bring up uh, the implied volatility platform because we'll probably be talking about things like volatility and so forth, I'm assuming. But, um, uh, Robbie, just wanted to start off with you and, and and ask broadly, you know, where did you start? How did you get into the trading game? What was your sort of career projection? What, what got you started?
2: Yeah. Thanks, Patrick. Thanks for the introduction. Yeah. Um, yeah, for me, it was probably uh, a bit random. Um, although, ironically enough, as I was doing a little bit of prep for this this afternoon, I did think back to, I think it was my year nine or ten economics class, and the favourite the favourite part of that whole course was we played the stock market game. And I think that was probably something that, ironically enough, I look back and I sort of think, well, that was probably you know, as good an indication of where, as, where I'd end up today as, um, as, a, as I, I could have thought Possible and um, you know I, I, I grew up in New Zealand. I went to university in, in Dunedin, and um, my, as soon as I finished uni, I went straight over to London um, and ended up working for Harry Bar as it was then, and I ended up on their equities desk. And I get, uh, as to say, it was just sort of random, really. Um, it was a good job, uh, taught me a lot about the gave me a great introduction to financial markets generally. Um, And then when I moved uh, to Australia with my now wife, I ended up working at Susquehanna. And for those of you who don't know who Susquehanna are, I mean, they've been around um, as a market maker um, in the options world. Uh, It's probably been 20-odd years in Australia, but um, it's been around since 1987. Um, Started out in the Philadelphia Stock Exchange. So it was five or six young guys who sort of, started their career at the very right time. They bought a lot of puts on the market and the market, you know, had the big fallout in October '87, And the rest they sort of say is history. So I ended up working for these guys when I came back from um, London um, and sort of worked went from there really.
0: When you go when you join a, a group like Susquana, like you know, what what sort of training do they provide you um do you know what 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 do you get out of working for a group what can you learn from working for a group like that
2: yeah it's a great question patrick because that's one of the big things about susquehanna probably more so than sort of other places i've worked over the years is that now their their focus is to is to bring somebody in um who they think has got the ability to to run money run risk um if it's a trader focus they're looking at and and their education program is they send you to the US, these days. They send you to the US for upwards of 12 months. Um, back in the day, when I was in the early 2000s, when I was um, in the trader program with Susquehanna, was um, I spent I think three or four months in Philadelphia. Um, they you played a lot of poker. They have a big the co-founders all met playing poker um, at university. So they have a big their 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 focus is around you know the game theory and the probability based decision making. the this probability-based decision making that um, that you, uh, you go through in poker, and so that was a big part of it. The, the training course, say, was three or four months. You would play one hundred and thirty hours of poker. They had a they had an old old-style open outcry trading pit where you had to you had to you had to act as the market maker in the pit, and um, they also taught you about sort of every aspect of what the company did, um, what products they traded. Um, and they sort of, and then they'd send you back to where you came from. And this is what they did at the time. And I came back to Australia. Um, and I spent uh, the first couple of years, I traded uh, Korean equity options, uh, index options, sorry, and also Australian sort of uh, equity options as well. So that was, so there, so they, it was a hell of a good um, introduction to, to trading really, because given I'd worked in London for a couple of years on a trading desk, that was a very different sort of state of... State of play, and you know, they—they they, it was a real focus was around improving people and making good traders understanding risk and risk management.
0: And and for you, Robbie, what are the sort of main instruments that you go to as a trader?
2: Well, I mean, for me, i you know, I don't have a particular style. I think um, a lot of my sort of, I guess, my sort of trading style was. Um, Sort of was created, or or I was learned through Susquehanna, and that was about good decision making, you know, the ability to sort of reflect on trades that you'd made, whether they be good or bad. Um, you know, understanding your limits, and I think uh, a big part of you know what what I've sort of learned over the years is you know surrounding yourself with smart people is always a good starting point. Um, I know for retail investors, you know, this plan. Of chats and everything else that you can be linked to, and that's a, and that's an important part of you know running your ideas past people and letting them understand what you're thinking. Um, and so for me, that was so. Those were sort of some of the uh, some of the components of sort of what generated my I guess trading approach and style. Now it was a, a lot of it at Southgate was around sort of risk management. It's um, something I'm sort of comfortable with, and and, you, and it's something you learn over time. I think, ironically enough, Patrick, to be quite frank, I think I, you know, when you work through like a GFC type event or even the recent events um, around COVID-19, I found that um, those more stressful environments um, tended to suit me a lot better as a trader. Yep. Uh, I would, it was easier for me to make decisions. I could, I could look at where my risk was and know where my pain points were and my profit points, and I could actively go out at the start of the day, execute a trade and move on to the next thing. I think that was, uh, you know, that's, a, that's a big part of the way I look at the, the market. And that's, that stat means you've got to understand your, understand your risk, know your limits, and you know, know where your profit or pain points are. Uh,
0: Mark's um, asked, asked a question, uh, do market makers trade direction or do they generally trade
2: volatility? Look, I mean, traditionally you would say they trade volatility. I think some market makers um, potentially could uh, trade direction. Um, but I think you know, for a place like Susquehanna, we in the past we've always sort of tried to you know trade the volatility. We 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 put a lot of money and and time and energy into developing our systems so we can provide liquidity to the market um, and and provide markets that reflect where we think things should be traded. And so we we look at we look at primary look at volatility, but we will you know directionally that yeah you know, particularly with what's going on at the moment, that may be a case that some of those sort of trades come into bearing
0: um Paul's asked uh, when doing a trading role, do you follow set rules like a blackjack dealer or are you called on to make your own decisions and take what comes?
2: yeah, that's a good question um I think yeah you really are called upon to make your own decisions um we have you know like you're taught that. Yeah, I think you know. I learned that flow pretty much determines where the market trades. So, don't forget, we're a liquidity provider. We don't typically have any more information than anybody else. Um, supply and demand often will, will determine where the market should trade. So, as you can see in in the recent weeks, high volatility reflects in high premiums in the options. And in the previous eight to ten years, low volatility reflects in you know lower lower premiums and lower lower expectation in terms of market movement. So we, you know, it, it depends on the environment, In extreme environments, you might be called, you might be called upon to, to react very quickly. Um, but over the longer term, I think you can be more consistent with your actions and, and, and trade in and in a, you know, manage your risk and, along those sort of lines. Um,
0: and what, uh, Robbie, what are the, what, what information do you observe when making decisions? Are you a technical guy, do you trade vol? What indicators do you look at?
2: Yeah, no, I'm not really a technical guy. Like I mean, um, it'd be more the volatility space that I've sort of, I guess, grown up with and looked at. Um, you know, we, we I would be looking at. Well, I mean, the current in the current environment's a bit of a different, a bit of a different beast. But then over the longer term, you've got to make sure you've got your volatility levels correct, and you're happy to to understand that if you're buying at a at a, at a price that implies a 50 basis point move a day. Assuming you trade it to perfection, you can cover your costs. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm I'm more definitely more of a volatility guy. I haven't really. I know some of my peers would would be looking at the technicals a lot more. Um, you know, but that's not hasn't really been my background over the years. Yep. Um.
0: And and from a, the psychology of trading, I mean, what what advice would you give um, any any of the traders out there in terms of managing their mindset? How to get
2: themselves into the right, right, right mode for trading successfully. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you have to. You know, I guess, there's a few steps you can sort of take when you when you first enter the market, or even if you've been in the market for a long time. And that's to understand the environment you're in, um, and that will that will probably determine, you know, what your what your risk appetite is, what you should be risking. Um, I think, you know, the mistake that some, I guess and it 's not just retail, it can be at institutional level it can be and you 've seen this over the years with the way companies have blown up from time to time but it 's just taking too much risk at the wrong time and uh, or or misplacing misplacing your positioning or your risk management at a time when you should be looking to rein it in. I think for any aspiring trader or any up and coming trader, you know 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 what you 're prepared to to risk and know what your limits are i mean you want you want to be in a situation where you can trade again tomorrow. Um, if you've got ten dollars to invest and you leverage up and you have a crack on day one and you lose ten dollars and, and sort of in this kind of environment, mm. um, you know it's it's you, you can't you can't play tomorrow when you might see another opportunity. So yep. low bowl low bowl low bowl environment you, you can potentially you know you can bet more or in a higher bowl environment you know it becomes very risky because the moves the moves dictate or can push you out the back very quickly when it comes to making a profit or losing big time.
0: Yep. Um, and, uh, and so in, the, in these environments, what, what sort of your, what are your, in these high vol environments, and, and, and Charlie, I'll still use your
2: question here, um, what's, what are your favoured strategies? Yeah, look, I mean, at, at the moment, you're trying to keep your risk to a level, you're trying to minimise your risks, really, because you don't, any given point has been shown by the moves on an on a, on a ongoing basis over the last two months. You don't really know where the market's going to be. So you want to so for a for a volatility trader you want to ensure that you don't have large vague volatility positions. Um, you want to make sure that you're probably neutralizing some of your exposures. You think if you look at a if you look at a trading book, you know you've got any number of expiries, say six to nine expiries out over the course of the uh, of, at, over the course of a year, and you're looking to balance um, your risk out over those buckets of risk. Um, you know the um, I think you know, when it's a lower bowl environment you're more comfortable with taking larger positions and i think this goes back to to setting yourself up on a on a daily basis you know what what risk are you comfortable with you know what's the what what are the extremes which are going to cause you the most pain um, because the, you know, that's often more often than not you forget your, you forget your bad trades and remember your good trades and i think that's a that's a big thing to remember in these high bowl environments so for us you know we're we'd typically be carrying a lot, le- lot less risk. Um, we're looking for, I guess, markets to settle a bit more to see, to see volatility levels become a bit more consistent. Um, you know, We've gone from 50 or 60 vol down to sort of 20 or 30 vol, and that's still implying, you know, I think, as a, as a rough rule of thumb, I'm sure Biden can tell me otherwise, it's probably not quite as accurate, but if someone talks about a 16 vol stock, that Typically, you know, you can, as a rough rule of thumb, you can assume that's a one percent move. You know, Australia traded along sort of ten, eleven vol for the last eight or ten years on average, and that that's sort of saying there's a seventy-five basis point move on a daily basis. So, less than one percent. You know, at the moment, the last fifty days, I think the the average vol is closer to fifty or sixty, I think sixty it might be. So, you're looking at you know three and three quarter percent moves on a daily basis. That's expected and implied through the the um for the options market. So when we look at the market we sort of say, well, you know, if we're gonna manage risk, we can't be you know, we need to we need to sort of lower our lower our um risk risk limits and you know it obviously leads to wider spreads in the market and um and taking less risk and being careful where you where you where you add more.
0: Um, Doran's asked, uh, when you trade volatility, uh, do you deliberately ignore direction? Um, uh, is it worth, you know, or do you, you know, choose a specific strategy like an iron
2: condor? No, we, um, you, know, you can't, you can never ignore direction. I think, you know, maybe in the current market where, where you've got extreme volatility um, and so you don't really know on any given day where, where we're going to open up tomorrow. It becomes a bit, a little bit less relevant. So it's about again managing your risk. Um, you know, in a lower bowl environment like we saw, you know, for the last, as I say, for the last eight or ten years, yeah, you know, your direction, your direction can be a consideration. I mean, it's been a pretty much a, a trending, grinding bull market, um, and I think that, that allows you to sort of, you know, if you look at, you know, long or short put spreads, you might you might decide to lean one way or the other, um, particularly if you um, you put that position on. In recent in recent time, um, so we some of the some of the bigger trades that have sort of gone through the market in recent sort of months might be like straddle trades, where you where you sort of you don't really care which direction the market goes. Um, so those things are, are, are great if you can get them on, but they obviously they the decay or the or the the optionality you know if, if the market doesn't move whatever you pay for it that decays away over the course of the lifetime of the option. So it depends on the strategy, and it's very much depends on your market as well, I think Patrick
0: Yeah, no thanks now, I've got a question uh, that's from Mark and mark, I'm going to add something to the end of this question, uh, but um, Mark's asked the question, what could market makers do to improve liquidity with equity options as well as tighten spreads and And I'm just going to add to that because I don't think it's a it's a conversation that market makers alone. Uh, are uh, able to fix so I would say we add to that the ASEX. what could the ASEX and market makers do to improve liquidity with equity options as well as tight
2: yeah that's a <laughs> that's a great question I think there's it depends who you speak to depends uh, you know the time of day as well look um, you know I having traded options for many years um, you do I do look fondly back on the 2000s where you know it was pretty enormous liquidity and um, and there was you know, a lot of two way action in terms of trading um, it, you know look I, I honestly don't know, look we, my my point is I would like to see a lot more commerciality from the big investment banks and look we've seen them put a lot more effort into the market um, uh, not just from a from a sales focus, but also from their trading side. Um, but from a market maker perspective, it's it is it is difficult at times because you become the pricer of last resort, and that just, that's, that's not just for the retail client, but that also means for a potentially institutional clients who can just hammer your your bit or your offer. So it's not just a case of us making money. We we just sit there, and if someone decides to sell through our through our bid and down, well we take a we take an absolute bath on that. And now we try we obviously understand that that's part of the game part of the business um, yeah it's not a, it's really not an easy question I think the ASX is is trying to do a lot in this space. Um, I think uh, also education is a massive thing. Um, the one thing we do want to see is plenty of retail players in the market because as you guys you know you go you'll be buying you'll be selling you'll be putting different strategies on. You know and if you're doing if you're doing your research it's it's all it's, it's all done for the right reasons as well and if you understand your risk limits that's perfect but I think you know a lot of the time um, you know and I, I don't like seeing it when retail gets badly burnt because it just they just a lot of them a lot of the time you can't come back and compete in the market again and you know I'd like to see sort of a more concerted effort from not just the asX but also say the investment banks and um, you know forums like this where you can get market makers on and listen to us speak and um, try and understand a bit more about what we do um, you know it 's very important um, I, it, I guess the last two months has been hard you know i 've heard anecdotally that it 's been pretty tough for some retail clients um, and this is why I sort of harp on that point about about risk limits and understanding you know what your what, what your traders and, and you know what what are your what are your extreme or worst case scenarios because that 's what you really care about you want to be able to come back tomorrow and be able to trade again um,
0: so so when we when we were um, right in the month in, in the midst of march um, mm. and it was a i mean it was a great time to trade I, well I felt it was but it, um, uh, but it um, uh, not necessarily a great time to to uh, to live but a good time to trade um, <laughs> the, the this it, it was difficult getting filled. Um, yeah. So, so, can you just talk through? Uh, you know, I guess from most of us sitting on this session today, put ourselves in the category of a of, of what you would call a retail trader. Um yeah. You know, so from our from our retail trading perspective, what's going on um, at, 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 at the, with the market makers at that time?
2: Yeah, I mean, like that's. Uh, I think, as I said, it was quite a. I, I traded through the GFC, but what we saw in the last two months is quite extraordinary. You know, I think I mean, will, the, your listeners will be well aware of the movements that happened on market. You know, it was 14 days in March with greater than 3% move. Um, and that's out of 22 trading days. So I mean, they, they, these are kind of unprecedented moves in a lot of ways. It makes the sort of GFC look like a bit of a stroll in the park, to be quite frank, um, at, at, you know, during that period. You know, for us, you know, we have to hedge our risk. Um, that is, that is paramount. Um, and what happens is when we're making a market and someone trades on one of our prices, we have to go out and and either hedge the risk either through buying or selling volatility against that, or through hedging it and and making our, I guess, our delta exposure um, and neutralizing that. I think what happens in these ex- extreme markets is that. There are the bids and offers and and the options disappear very quickly. Um, spreads widen, liquidity dries up, and that's not just the option space. This this reflects the underlying. I mean, if you look at the um, the S and P five hundred, for example, you know the futures and the S and P five hundred, which is some of the most, which if not the most liquid um, security in the world, gapped at the blink of an eye one percent. So when when we look at our risk, we have to be able to hedge that, um, and so. When we can't hedge it on a tighter market, which is what would normally happen in a lower vol environment, you can. You're easy, it's much easier to hedge, or the moves aren't as great, so you don't have the same amount. You don't have to manage your risk as aggressively. When you're having moves where one, two, three percent can happen in a very short space of time, it's uh, uh, you're forced to widen your spreads. You, um, you're forced to probably not provide as much liquidity, otherwise, you'll, otherwise, you get um, you'll, you'll lose a lot of money very quickly. And it may sound like you're not doing the job, but I think if you look at any particular asset class, whether it be um, you know, the issues that have happened in the fixed income market with liquidity, um, even the underlying equity market, then you like you, it, stop take take as an example. Patrick, maybe the better way to look at it is something like um, um, afterpay, which has gone from sort of forty bucks to to eight dollars ninety to back to forty dollars in the space of eight weeks. So. When you, when you look at something like that on the chart, um, if you can bring that up, not even just the volatility, you can bring up the actual movement of the stock, and, you know, you have to be, you yeah, make that, there you go, look at that. So to be able, be able to provide a market in that and provide pricing in that, you know, you can see those red, um, those red lines there which sort of show you the size of the move. Um, you, you still have to be able to hedge your risk and take off your, exposure, try and cover some of your exposure. And that's and that's where the problems come in these in these extraordinary high vol um, environments, and unfortunately, sort of I guess you know for, for retail investors, it's not great when you when that liquidity dries up and you need to you need to exit um, or close your position out, or you want to take a profit. Um, but again, I guess that comes back to managing your risk and make, ensuring that you you have a set plan in place that allows you to, to um, execute. You know, if I look at that. If you're if you're if you're selling a <clears throat> as a retail client, if you're selling a twenty dollar put and picking up, you know, in a six or eight week expiry and picking up a dollar, a dollar fifty in premium, I mean that's quickly gone down to ten dollars. It's gone pretty it's gone pretty quick. And if we're you know as a market maker, if we're if we're selling that, for us to be able to hedge that, that's a pretty significant loss. So we have to make sure that we can be in a position to be able to um, to hedge our risk as well. And it just it's no different to. To anybody else in the market,
0: um, Mark has asked: Can market makers spot a retail
2: trader really easily? Um, good question, Mark. Um, I don't necessarily think. Look, typically retail depends what size retail trades. I mean, um, you may find that retail trades smaller size, but not particularly. It depends who you use as a broker. Some brokers are known as retail. I mean, the, the thing for, for Susquehanna is we don't necessarily look at um, the tag who's trading in the market. Um, we look at where our, our prices line up. And if, that's, and if we believe that's a trade that is something we can take a bit of edge on and, and look to monetize over the longer term, um, then, we'll, then we'll take that trade. We're not specifically looking out for a retail client and going, oh, here he comes. We, he won't know what's going on. That's just simply not the case. Um we we love retail in the sense that typically you guys are, uh, are buy and sell and so you're a very important part of the market. Um so that's so that's you know, as say going back, understanding, you know, see you in these high volume environments we want you coming back and, and and to be able to provide markets to you, that's that's fairly important for us. So we know the honest answer is we don't necessarily we're not out there hunting for retail um retail investors and thinking of this is an easy easy picking. Um, uh,
0: There's a question. I might answer this question, um, uh, but please add anything you like to this, Robbie. But Neil said, oh, this is Neil. My question is, I guess, for a beginner like me, in the current market, where can I start with options trading, specifically stocks and strategies? What stocks and strategies should I employ with the least risk to my capital? Neil, I I would say that... um, uh, if you're playing the options trading game, that's a really good place to start in terms of just getting familiar with how it all works and placing trades into the market and playing around with it. Um, we're running some education tomorrow night actually. Um, Ivan and I are going to be doing a basics of options trading, how to pick direction, and we'll probably look at some basic options strategies. And we're doing every Wednesday while the options game's running education tutorials. And there's a whole bunch of education tutorials. I believe if you register for the game, you get the 10 by 10 sessions that Ivan put together. So, um, yeah, look, I think just as, a, as a, by way of introduction, that options game is a brilliant way to do it. And um, we'll be doing Wednesday nights each week. We're going to be running education sessions uh, on the basics, Neil. So I reckon that's probably a good place to start. Robbie, would you have anything uh, to add on sort of uh,
2: good strategies to start off with as a beginner? No, I completely agree with what you just said, Patrick. I think you know, educating yourself through like like your platform is a great way to start. Um, I think you could do some sort of basic reading as well; would be would be um, a good way to get going as well. Um, you know, by going through what going through a course that you and Ivan are running, I think you'd be able to sort of get a bit of a handle on how you you know how much risk you should allocate for a strategy for a trade, understanding where you. are you know, as I said, where your pain points are, or where you can where you can profit. Um, maybe a guy, if I can suggest, there's a, a book by Sheldon Nathanberg. Um and it's a, it's a, probably a it's a reasonable place to start as well. Um, and it's an option. It's called Option Option Volatility and Pricing, but don't get put off by the title. I think he actually I think he actually runs through option trading. Um, in volatility, in, a, in quite a good way, and there's a few strategies in there which you'll which you'll talk about. He's a bit of a he's a bit of a legend um, in the options space. Um, been around for a long time, and he's a good educator as well. he probably jump on YouTube, and um, he's probably on there in some videos as well. So that'd be where I'd sort of suggest. But I think education, just keep learning, and if you can play, if you can play a game like what um, you guys have got set up, Patrick, that's that's. That's a good way to sort of get a better handle because I think practice, you know, um, actually putting ideas on, you know, and simulating um, what the market would do, I think, is a really good place to start as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it'll um, at least give you an appreciation for how it all works. I mean, <laughs> when you put real money on it, that does change the whole ball game. But um, to understand how things function, first and foremost. Um, Uh, Do some learning. There's webcasts, there's YouTube, there's books, um, and uh, we'll give you some sort of pretty structured trading plan um, that you can follow if you so wish. Um, But I would then just go for, um, uh, you know, uh, put it in play by the game as a starting point. Now, I just uh, said great to great to to have you here and hear your story. Can't count how many times you've used the word risk is that your train? Are you risk adverse? Um,
2: uh, is that the only thing that matters to you? <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. But like, it's a great starting point for you know ensuring you're around tomorrow to um, to be able to trade. I think, you know, I think that's what's that's what's sort of taught me survival over the years. I mean, you all. I think as a trader, what you have to remember is there's going to be periods where you're going to have a tough trot, and I, I don't. I haven't met a single trader who's who's managed to smash it out of the park for twenty years in a row, sort of thing. You know, even a guy like Warren Buffett, right? How was his last quarter? It wasn't fantastic. So, so I think you know, it's just about understanding how you, as a person, can uh, you know, put together a portfolio and manage it. And I think that's it's you know, know your limits. It's it's very important. And that's I can't you know, yeah. I may I be harping on that point somewhat now, Patrick. Clearly, <laughs> yeah, so, but uh, yeah, it's 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 very important.
0: Okay. Um, now, uh, Neil uh, asked, sorry, who is that author again?
2: Can I write on this thing here somewhere? Uh, um, it, it, hang on a second. I've got a chat function right. here. His name's Sheldon Natenberg. So Natenberg is N-A-T-E-N-B-E-R-G and Sheldon. Sheldon is-
0: Natenberg. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna have a go at. I had, I, I had a pretty funny story about that book once,
1: um, and I remember uh, just I was chatting to some guy in in a bar in Sydney, and he goes and says to me, he goes, you know, like, some guy said you do options." I go, hey, yeah, do options, risk, blah blah," and he goes, "Hey, have you read this book? That specific book?" And I said, yeah. no, I've read it," and uh, he just went on this, like, five-minute thing where he goes, mate, if you haven't read that book, you're not serious about options, you know, just give up kind of <laughs> stuff. absolutely started berating me. So,
2: <laughs> anyway, yeah, with I, all I, that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't quite go uh, you know, so far as to say it's the deal and end all, but it's, I, I kind like of like, like, like the way he writes it, and I think it's, um, you know, if you haven't, if you haven't had much, uh, if your background's not in options, it's a good, it's a good place to start.
0: Yeah, yeah definitely anyway it was pretty funny <laughs> <laughs> all right now uh, another question from Paul do you uh, or if you do you or if you traded on your own account do you reckon you would have a big advantage with all of your
2: experience <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I hope so <laughs> yeah look I mean I think um you know for me I don't you know, you're a little bit hands-on trading these products, given your work in the work in the business. Um, but yeah, I think you know, generally speaking, I would know where my where my, I'd be setting my limits. Um, I think you yeah, you need to you need to have some sort of appreciation of um, the underlying names you're investing in. If it's an index, so be it. But if it's if it's single names, you need to understand if you're a if you're a put seller to to enter ANZ at sixteen bucks, well and you can take your yeah, 50 cents a premium, I would know that I have the cash backing that. I'm not going to leverage up um, if this is my personal account at this point. Um, so I think, uh, I, think I, would, I would certainly have a, have a, have a decent starting um, base to, to, to put on a portfolio. Um, I've never, having run auctions both in funds management and, on a, on a, and for a prop firm like Susquehanna and also in an in investment bank, I guess I've never really had the opportunity to sort of step aside and do it myself. Um, you know, at some point in the future, be—I uh, would quite like to do that, uh, but not—not not right now.
0: Uh, and interesting because we had um, your mate Kieran on uh, last yep. week, and I heard you guys work together, which I didn't know um, uh, until Kieran mentioned it. Um, and he's now uh, moved out of uh, you know, and, and and privately trading and going
2: through that yep. experience. Just interesting. Yeah, but- yeah, it is. I mean, it's, you know, it's, uh, he's probably started. He's probably picked that up at a, at a time when you've got extraordinary volatility. So you so your bad trades get rapidly pushed out, you know, and, and become very bad trades very quickly. Um, but no, look, he's enjoying it. Um, yeah, he's a good mate of mine, and uh, we worked together for for four or five years in, in the portfolio management and a um, funds management business. Um, so yeah, look, he's it, it's it be interesting to see how he how he looks in a, in a couple of months' time when maybe things when the, some of the volatility starts to come out. But mm-hmm. I think as you guys, are, potentially, it's a good time to be um, you know higher volume environment. It's actually a good time to to be involved in the market. Um, it's exciting. Uh, it does create opportunities. I think you know we, we talked a bit about you know spreads and all that sort of stuff. But um, I think spreads, if you're happy to put on a trade, well, if you've if you've got to give up maybe one percent of the return to put it on at these levels, you're still getting considerably a considerably better return than what you would have been getting, you know, six months ago. So you have to, so you have to take that into account when you're actually putting your, you know, putting your trade into putting your trade into action. Um, Robbie uh, Sandeep's asked um, good
0: question regarding weekly options. What what's the best day slash time
2: to buy? on weekly options well guess, right. like yeah look i mean the tricky really Better is if you buy those things on a friday no next expire the following thursday it's you are getting the weekend decay um, you know the options it's only got if you're paying if you're paying 30 cents on a on a on a you know on a on a 15 dollar stock you're paying 2% to to buy an out of the money call you know you've you know that over the weekend that thing's going to decay away Although there's still some volatility priced into some some event that could happen on the weekend, um, I don't think there's necessarily any right or wrong time to buy them. Um, I'd be cautious buying them on the last day before expiring, uh, unless you unless they look particularly good value. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't think there's any necessarily right or wrong time to 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 play the play the one week space. I think they are, that's talking about. Um, you know developments that the ASX have, have done. I think that's quite a good one. Um, the weekly option, particularly on the on the big names and the index, it's, it's that's certainly something that I, I quite liked as a as a portfolio manager. Um, the traders, I'm not sure what they sort of how they sort of see. It. I think they I think they don't mind it. Um, it also suits some. It's you know it follows the US, where it suits some portfolio managers and um, risk managers who can. Uh, gives them the ability to trade, um, not rather than just on the monthlies and on those on those weekly dates, which is good. I'd, I'd like to see also some of these ETFs start to get um, some listed options on them as we as we move forward over the over the coming year or two. Yeah. Um, a couple of uh,
0: a couple of things I'll just wrap here. Uh, Chris has asked for us to for access to tomorrow night's session. Um, If you want to come along to tomorrow's night's education session you've booked in already, you can book in via our morning uh, report we put out each day or just type in attend and I'll get someone to go through the report tomorrow and manually book you in. So just maybe type in attend and we'll get someone to book you you in. Um, If you're trading with us uh, or if you want to trade with us, we offer the cheapest uh, brokerage rates uh, for options. Um, We offer the best technology. Uh, for options traders and investing constantly in the technology. And if you want to take a trial of our platform, get access to all our trade ideas and everything else we do, just type in yes and we'll get you set up for that. So if anyone's on tonight's session, uh, we can give you a free trial for 30 days. Um, If you want to get access to it, just type in yes and someone will organise to get you set up. Um, And again, for those that want to come to any of the education that's going on during the game, uh, you type in attend and we'll get you to all of that. A um, few more questions. Ada's um, asked, hi guys, I was wondering if you could talk about some of the strategies that you used during coronavirus crash and what works well and what doesn't so. Robbie, do you want to have a go at this? I'm happy to throw in my two Bob. Well, you- Why don't you lead <laughs> me to talk, Patrick, because
2: maybe <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can avoid to <laughs> new <I can> answer. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, or (laughs) what we actually uh,
0: traded. So it it was an interesting time. I mean, um, there was a lot of movement, um, and most of it on the downside. Um, The types of things that the first part of it, you know, I moved from a a long vol um, trade, um, and then um, was probably a bit just struck with how quickly it was moving, and then. Once I felt like there was some, some level of consolidation coming in, I was looking at iron condors uh, initially, and then out of the money, pool put some bear calls uh, and just playing around with it. And in that environment, um, you know, really just not looking to be in the market for very long. The, the swings were so great that you could make good money as long as you're on the right side of it. Um, and um, once you kind of got in and, and found your groove, you could move your way through okay. And, and, and we noticed some of the better trades that happened in that time, which I cannot put my name to, were people that were short and maintained that short view for an extended period of time. There were a couple of people that were in there um, for sort of three weeks um, um, and maybe some that were even in there uh, longer um, that really wrote it right down to the bottom uh, and then maybe even gave some of it back up. Um, but there was some just some absolutely knock it out of the park big trades by some individual traders and I can I can say that I, I wasn't one of them and um, I was positioned for it but I closed out way 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 too early. Um, yeah I don't know Robbie yeah, would you that, add anything
2: to- yeah I think that was a, that was a, that was the tricky part about it all Patrick is that we've seen the market sell off. You know, let's look back to the start. It was a 2018 where we had the late January, February sell-off. Um, I guess Christmas uh, a couple of years ago as well. A couple of Christmases ago, there was a bit of a sell-off there. So I think, but even then, it wasn't as extreme as this. So if yeah. you if you did hold your risk, you know, your short position to a point where you you know monetize twenty twenty five percent downside, even I think you're in a I think you've done pretty well. Um, I think some of the some of the trades that you you know, I was asked by friends what they should be doing, and I said, "Well, you know, if you in reality, if you, if you do have money to invest in the market, as it, you know, as we got towards that bottom, down, you know, 35 percent, 30, I said, you know, it doesn't hurt to invest. You know, if you've got ten bucks today, why don't you invest four bucks? It's not going to hurt, right? Like if you if you want to invest, well, you're you're, you're investing at a thirty five percent discount to where you were, you know, three weeks ago, two weeks ago." So look you could you could put on a, a short put spread or you could look to you know, you could with with voles so high are are a little bit trickier, but certainly, you know, short puts if you if you had the if you had the nerves were were not a bad trade obviously as well. Um even but even outright calls, playing the higher vol and trying to potentially leg into a short leg as the market went higher was, was not a bad strategy as well. So if you if you know how much money you got to spend, you got you, you spend your premium and you got and you played that bounce well, legging in legging in, we call it legging, so you, you buy the long leg first, the market bounces and then you sell the short leg and you and you lock in some of that profit you've just made. Plus sort of um you know, trading in the high premium environment, shorting into that's not a bad not a bad um trade either. So anything where you can sort of spread your spread your risk around but you know, you didn't I don't think you want to be trying to pick Know, the bottom, or 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 you know, this is the bounce moment.
0: Um, Mark's asked, uh, "Do you think CFDs did harm or good for the options market?"
2: Yeah, look, that's something that we've sort of talked about. Um, I know they aren't really. I think that the ability to trade them and 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 it's it's super easy, there's, uh, look, I, I don't know, Mark, to be honest, there's a possibility that there's a proliferation of other products that have certainly dragged on options usage, and and the fact that it's, you know, well, the CFD is pretty linear outcome, so, you know, that makes it a bit easier to understand, so I guess education, um, you know, getting getting a more sophisticated product out there and then having Something like a CFD trader in front of you, it's it may be an easier decision. To make. I am.
0: Um, I've got an I've got an opinion on this one, and I'd be interested to hear what Ivan has to say. But um, I think they did harm um, in that you mentioned there was a lot more uh, activity in the market in the early two thousands, and a lot of people that would have traded options or did trade options moved across to CFDs, um, yeah. and I'd prefer to have them in the options market. Giving
2: yeah. uh, better liquidity and it would have, re- you know, as a result, tighter spreads. Um, yeah, yeah, probably, probably. I would agree with that. I think, to be quite honest, um, you know, I don't, We haven't really touched on a lot of the CFD market, but I know it has become quite popular, and that's probably made, it makes makes sense. A lot of you know potentially might be stuck on other products. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think so, uh, and I, and, I, and I think that. In the early days, definitely, they, they, they did have sort of a bit of an edge in that they were a very active marketing, um, yep. centralised marketing teams and and some good technology, um, which took a while for players in the options market to catch up up to. Um, yep. But, yeah, good question, good question Mark. Um, all right, so Paul said, I hear such strong conflicting opinions that the market is going up, like once-in-a-lifetime move and others saying we haven't yet bottomed out. What do you think is going to happen?
2: <laughs> Million dollar question. Look, I mean, I, I would, I'll freely admit, and I that it's not advice at all, I'm, I'm surprised by how quickly we've bounced back. But then, in saying that, you know, if you look back at uh, probably the last four to five years, going back to even the Trump election, um, Brexit, um, even the sell-off in 2008, uh, I guess the sell-off in um, resource names, et cetera, You know, the market's shown an amazing propensity to bounce back very quickly. I think there's an element there of, of uh, you know, the, what it was called the Bernanke put, um, you know, that that's sort of carried on through, that the, that the government will do whatever it can to support markets. You know, Trump's made that pretty apparent. Um, and, he, you know, he's thrown... What have we had? A trillion dollars thrown at the GFC. What have we had so far? Three and a half trillion, or whatever the number might be. You kind of lose track, right? Um, so I think there is a belief that, um, you know, whilst uh, there is some pretty horrendous unemployment numbers, um, you know, some negative, massive negative growth, um, you know, there is companies going out the back door. They will just there is a view in the market that we will we'll look through the next six or twelve months and and in 12 months' time we'll be back to where we were and the government will have done enough to support us or the you know, uh, government activity will have done enough to support us. I don't know what you guys think, um, Patrick, but it seems to me a bit of a look-through going on. Do I think the market will be lower or higher from here in six months' time? I honestly don't know. But I am surprised by how fast we'll bounce back. But, the, but on the other hand, with the dissemination of information that goes around on Twitter and various yep. news sites, it's 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 hardly surprising in in, in hindsight. I must admit, someone's right Hardly yeah, Robert, surprising. I don't think I can add anything to that that would
0: add any value to anyone's decision making. It's
2: a tough one. Paul. Yeah, yeah. I think um, it goes back again, Patrick. To you know, if you want to play the market, can choose choose your stop, choose your position, make sure it's yeah. within your limits, and and go from there. And it, you know, if if, it, if you've got a, you know, if the market suddenly rolls over and you need to get out, just make sure you
0: can.
2: Yeah. Or you know, if it goes if it continues to go up, good luck
0: to you, and um, hopefully and hopefully you do well. Yeah, I mean, we one of the we've been playing around with some different investments, and one where um, we're just pricing up and probably go live with tomorrow is a is basically a short on uh, the US and Aussie market uh, over the next six months, which is a which is done via a um, over the counter or a structured product. Um, okay. which, which you can put a you know hedge hedge your book, and it's a way for you, someone to bring in into a, an investment portfolio something that benefits yeah. if if um, you know we really get a big sell off over over the next um, five or six months. Um, I
2: think that's sensible. Think that's sensible book management, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. So if anyone's looking for that sort of uh, investment, um, you can just I don't know what's the best what's the code word right input. Um, and we'll get some information across. It'll be a wholesale only investment, but um, we've been constantly looking at you know how do you go long vol, how do you go long dispersion um, yeah, from an investment perspective as opposed to a trading perspective, so that you build things into your portfolio. That um, you know if you're right, at, well, <coughs> not saying you're right. If if the market rallies up, and this is that once in a lifetime uh, movement that Paul's re- saying, some people are, uh, are referencing. Um, You know, then you've got insurance in place. But if it collapses, you've got something that actually hedges you or makes money from that view. Um, So if you'd like that, just type in PUT. We'll get you some information about that. Um, And uh, we'll do a session on it probably Thursday or something like that. It's something that we're just being reactive to what's going on in the market at the moment. We're just a bit nervous going into reporting season, and that sort of for us heats up. I think our heat update is around the 13th. Um so um yeah we're sort of Yeah Yeah, yeah.
2: Um
0: Yeah, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. it's it's kicking off. It's already there's already some reporting happening, I guess, but um all right, so now let's a couple of others um we'll take a few more questions because i 'cause I'm gonna finish the session off at eight eight PM. So we've got another five minutes if anyone's got anything but um, Rowan's asked, do you ever follow any news or info sources? If
2: so, um, which ones? Yeah, it's a good question. Um you know, I, I quite enjoy the AFR. Um obviously that's sort of yesterday's news today. Um But um you know, in the in the past I've had access to sort of the likes of Reuters or Bloomberg, um I think they're not as 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 good a Product. They used to be on the news fund because a lot of it's sort of um, auto-generated. Um, mate of mine who's a uh, he's a big investor. He he's a big fan of Twitter. Um, I haven't found my way there yet, but he said there's some there's some super smart guys on there who are traders for their, for their own book, for their own money. And if you can dig around, I don't have any names to hand. I could probably I could probably reach out to him and fix some through to Patrick and Ivan at some point. But he follows a few guys on Twitter, and they have some pretty good views. I think it's important to not necessarily, you know, you, you've got to you've got to match your view to an extent. You know, you, you want to see a contrary view, but you don't. Also, at the same time, you don't want to read too much because I think it'll just put you off ever trading in your life. Um, too much news can be just a little bit too confusing. Yeah. But but um, yeah, I think you, yeah, yeah, I think things like um, the AFR is a good place. I think there's some good journalists in the Australian as well. Um, I think yeah, you know, even yeah, you know, just. It's through, um, through looking through Google, and you, you get some pretty good headlines pretty quickly these days. But I, don't, I don't think you have to pay a lot of money to get, to get proper and up-to-date use flow these days like you used to. Yeah, yeah.
0: Beautiful. All right, well, look, let me have a, a, a little troll through. Ivan, have you got any questions? You've, you're usually peppering away with questions there, Ivan. Is. quite <laughs> hasn't recovered from my putting a a, um, profile picture up of him. That's (laughs) it, that's
1: it. It's just, he ruined me forever. That's it. I'm I'm never coming on a webcast with you again, Patrick. I'll I'll
0: come up with something extra special for you next week. Don't worry. (laughs) Well,
1: you know, or just tomorrow. (laughs) You know, but I did did see that uh, you did miss a question from Charlie, by the way, so I thought I'd I'd bring that one up. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've been listening the whole way. I've just been, uh, you know, you know me. Anyway, uh, any tips for trading a high-ball environment or any favorite strategies?
2: Favorite strategies, uh, that is, by the way. Yeah, I think, yeah, I like think I said that earlier. I think, as I mentioned earlier, you don't have to, with a high-ball environment, you don't have to you potentially, um, you know, you, you, can, you can lower your position size a touch um, because the market's moving. You know, bigger moves on market, your returns are probably going to be proportionate to that. So you don't have to, you know, you don't want to, you, know, so you certainly could be cutting your risk down a touch. Um, I think if you're looking at single stock options, um, you know, equity backed ones, I think it's a good opportunity in the high environment. If you if you do like a stock, uh, it's a good time to sort of think about. You know, if you've got ten grand to spend in A and Z. Not that this is an example, necessarily put an ANZ But if you have got ten grand to put an ANZ, maybe you can look at a two month put on that, which might generate you some pretty good premiums. And if you're happy to take the stop, that's a that's a good time as any at these levels to probably enter. Um, I think you need to. I think. I mean. I think. Uh, I and Patrick, you, some of your educational stuff would be very. It would be a good topic to cover on. Um, you know, building a structure, building structures in, in this type, in this kind of environment.
1: Hey, question for me, um, I guess just following on from that. So uh, vols recovered to some extent, which now seems like, oh, uh, you know, it's a pretty cheap vol comparatively. But having said yeah. that, it's still way higher than we've been for, you know, probably since 2009, really. Um, what do you reckon in terms of, you know, how, how would you be positioning your book from a vol perspective at the moment? You think that it's got the capability of jumping back up to – um i guess actually let me let me slightly rephrase that if vol always returns to the mean where is the Mm -hmm. mean now
2: yeah that's that's a a question (laughs) right i mean i I I feel like like, (laughs) 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 i thought i I thought i'd leave on the easy one i think it's the trader's lament at this point like you vol's too high you don't want to be long you don't want to be short it because Potentially could blow you up, you know. But I think, um, you know, and this is what I said earlier, is that you're starting to see it, it revert to, a, a, to a, a higher, you know, the means probably now closer to the mid-teens, I would think, depending mm. what happens in the next three or four months. Maybe high-teens, maybe it hangs around. Like these, these events, you know, I suspect if I look back to 2018, I think Vol was fairly high right through to, the, to maybe May, June. In that uh, the implied volatility in the options market was high the whole way through to maybe June, um, maybe yeah, I think it was about June. So I think um, you, you'll see a similar thematic here. I think there's a lot of news to come out of the market. There's a lot of un, unanswered questions around earnings and companies and unemployment and um, China-U.S. relationships. So I think vol, you know, I would, I, I don't know particularly, but I would, around 18 or 20 in the index sounds like it. Now you could start comfortably taking it two ways, and and maybe in the maybe in the maybe in the in the early twenties might even be the answer there. I don't know, but um, I think you'll find it. You know, and this is the one thing that happened in the financial crisis, and I know this has happened again after this last sort of two months. Is that traders get exhausted because you can't keep up this kind of speed of um, active, frantic activity. So at some point, more rational decisions are made, and there's less knee-jerk reactions and and you don't see the extreme moves, like you know what we saw back in March—seven percent moves, nine percent moves, intraday moves, thirteen percent. That's you just can't keep going at that at that rate because just people just run out of puff and people stop putting orders in the market because they just realize that they, there's a there's a zero sum gain or or even worse, it's a, it's a negative outcome. So I think uh, you'll start to see things, regardless of what happens and where the market finish, where the market goes in the next the next six months. I think you will start to see vol start to Probably pull back into that early twenties, and at that point, I think you you know as a trader you're more you, you, you're happier going you know buying or selling or taking knowing you're not going to rip up a huge amount of um, you know your risk isn't going to blow you up overnight, and you're making sure you layer that six or eight months. I would have thought. Mm. Hey Pat, can I can I ask you to bring up
1: a like a long term XJO chart, yeah. like call it you know sort of. 10 years, 15 years. Just really, really zoom out, weekly's fine. The the good old plus and minus. (laughs) (laughs) What what would a webcast be without me uh, giving you a
2: plaque for uh, for your platform usage? You look at it like this, there's a couple of other moments there where Australia was under a lot of pressure and that was around the I guess banks inquiry and the resource bust, mm-hmm. and then you've got um, you've got 2018 and a um, bit mm-hmm. of a bump there. And was it um, I think Christmas time? Was 19... was it was that? Was that, was that, was that oh, gee, hard to see.
1: There was but, yeah a couple. Yeah, there's also European debt crisis in that. There was the uh,
2: the uh, Arab Spring revolutions, yep. uh, all cost so, pullbacks. Right, like, you, you do see, you do see. I mean, that, like, you look at a chart like that, and you would think. How I mean, how, how did volatility in a trade so cheap for so long? But I think the, the thematic, as I, as I mentioned earlier, was that backstop of you know the government stepping in to to cover 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 market failure at all costs has certainly led to a lot quicker of a bounce in, in markets at different times. Um, the news probably has hung around, you know, uh, the, the reaction, you know, the, the recovery from. I guess negative news, China tariffs, um, you know, Trump election, that was a day. Brexit, that was about a day as well. Um, so the tariffs talk hung around for a while. But, again, you know, the backstop of having that government intervention, it's certainly and the ability to throw endless cash at the problem. It's, you know, it belies the sort of chart that you're looking at there to an extent in terms of from a volatility perspective. Mm. But the if one if interesting think because you're trading a three month, you're trading until a three month option um, that expires, and you know we're in we're in May now, and if you're trading an August op, August option, if the if all the movement happens in the first two weeks and it just goes dead quiet, it's very hard to make money out of it unless the uh, you know unless the market's on an aggressive move higher or, or going in the direction you want it to. Um, For mm. a volatility perspective, you know things start to you know look look pretty expensive pretty quickly. One thing that I was thinking that was
1: quite interesting is, um, and obviously you know, slightly different conditions at this point in time. I'd be interested to hear your view on this. But um, if you look sort of closely at that, at the start of two thousand and eight, where um, I don't know if, if you remember, I mean, the the, the down swings overnight had these vicious um, oh, yeah. buying all the way through, which just wasn't present in this move. But at that, right at that start of two thousand and eight, when Everything really went to shit, and at that point in time, people started realising and reassessing what shit actually meant like over the next couple of years, and people started talking about depressions and all that kind of mm. stuff probably towards the middle of 2008. But there was that big spike um, in 2008 right at the start, which was very reminiscent of the, the spike that happened uh, a couple of weeks ago, where the market yeah. completely collapsed. I had a strong buyback, which almost felt like, you know, like just a high-volume jump. And a part of me goes and thinks, okay, well, we're sitting at these levels, the market's trying to consolidate here, taking a breather, as you said, and then is it really getting to this point where it's now going, okay, well, once we know a little bit more about where real earnings are, we're going to start making an assessment about where to go. And you go and feel, okay, well, whoever's, done selling surely there's going to be some follow-up coming through with this at some point in time at least to retest those lows to see you know where is the market um alternatively has the entire um fundamental uh market changed in a way that that it trades that no longer does these kind of technical tests and it just it's all about flow
2: now what do you think a good question i like coming mean yeah, I, I remember that 2008, like, you know, it was, it was, I think the government, and it's probably why they're throwing so much money at the problem immediately. I mean, this is a, obviously mm. this is a slightly, a slightly different, um, um, uh, you know, fundamentally back in 8 market was sort of broken, you know, your average American had owned two or three homes or whatever, you know, and, you know, here we're talking about something that's been turned off overnight with, a, with a, the virus um, pandemic. That's slightly different, but I, you know, it, the impact is almost, um, I look at that and I sort of think, well, the impact in 2007, eight, nine, took a lot longer to play out because people would hang in there and the government threw bits of money here and there and Bear Stearns or Lehman's was, someone bought it out or bought the carcass and we all moved on. That was a positive news story, but that consistently tended to a bad story over a very long period, whereas you know, we haven't even seen. We've been going for two months now in in 2020 with COVID, and you know the job losses are extraordinary. The, the the you know businesses are simply not going to recover. And you know, and I you know maybe we do? Maybe the technicals do come into play here, and we retest those lows. And I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. Once you start seeing some of the numbers come out from some of these businesses, because you know, you've seen the banks come out; uh, it's been poor. Um, that's probably just started. Um Before you even start talking about housing markets or any of those elements which potentially could have you know longer term effects for australia like immigration you now we 're talking about no more no more you know, you know lowering the immigration or stopping it i mean that 's going to have an impact on housing market and supply supply um so there's, there's a very there's, there's a lot of elements of the equation that I you know surprised me with its bounce um, you know the classics afterpay. You know, my views. Like, where's all the money coming from? that people are going to be spending. Given that the mm. average person who actually uses that product is is no longer is no longer have a job, um, as an example. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good question, and I don't really have an answer for it. Um, I'm I'm wary. Um, my per you know, if I personally look at my own superannuation, I, you know, I'm not way, I'm not 100% in equities. That's for sure. Mm.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? I think it's uh, not a lot of people that I've spoken to that have been participating all the way up, uh, you know, earlier in in, uh, – or towards the end of last year. um, And then I said – I mean, I've got into heated debates um, around about (laughs) Jan Feb on LinkedIn and other places. And, uh, you know, I've I've been harassing Shane Oliver on LinkedIn as well about his (laughs) never-ending bullish posts. Um, and yeah. all the A.M.P. kind of heard just jump on me, going, "How dare you say that about our God?" Um, and
2: then, I, I think you test people. You test people's views. The minute you think that there's someone to God, you're, and this goes to my whole point this evening: is you have to. <laughs> if someone can't question your 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 thoughts or your um, or your strategy, then and, and you think you're always going to be right. Well, I guarantee you one thing: you won't be, and you end yeah, exactly. up. More than you make because you need to listen to people around. You. Listen to smart people. Listen to people's opinion. And I think that's mm. a big part, you know, made me better at trading um, over the years. So, Charlie mm. had a good question about this. Um,
1: uh, if we've got time, which we're making time. Uh, Aussie health outcomes are a lot better than the rest of the world. Uh, can XGO decouple from the S and P five hundred correlation? Sorry, say that like- again. Uh, Sorry, Aussie health outcomes are a lot better than the rest of the world. Do you think XJO can decouple from the S&P 500 correlation?
2: Well, I think if you look, we've sort of underperformed the S&P quite significantly, and there's probably a couple of major things there. Um, One, purely the amount of cash that's been raised here. Um, And two, a a lot of the lifting in the US has been done by, a small handful of you know fang type stocks which we don't simply don't have um you and, haven't
1: yeah. just yet you, have, you, sh-
2: you should invest in trade floor that's almost like a fang <laughs> <laughs> there you go <laughs> I think, yeah australia, australia at the moment we're pretty you know we're pretty linked up to you know news and views and and, and tariffs and everything else that goes with relationships with china you know we still we're still a big exporter of iron ore and you know commodities generally so you know there's some speculation I read, read an article yesterday that you know that we might be decoupling a little bit from the US and sort of not so much from about the trading side but maybe sort of relationship wise in terms of dealing you know more with the Chinese in terms of the iron ore you know, commodity space I don't know I, I think you know we, we are led to a large extent by the US and things tip over there we Unfortunately, we're, we're probably still still probably going to see some um, you know flow down to this part of the world.
1: The other thing that I found I was, I was chatting to um, to a guy the other day, and he, he mentioned I think this was probably in the news. I, I don't typically read them, but um, that uh, Australia in the last couple of months, weeks, whatever I forget what day we're in, um, has raised yeah for the, for the month for last month it's raised more in placements and off-market than pretty much anywhere in the world aside from one other exchange, yeah. um, which goes to show that a lot of money was sitting on the sidelines. A lot of people weren't participating in, in the rallies, I guess, for the points that you mentioned, which we just didn't have the high-quality stocks. But now that suddenly, you know, everything's on a massive discount, it's this a time where people who didn't get to participate in the in the rallies in the past, um, really from that 2009 movement onwards, is it a time when potentially there's a lot more interest in investing? Potentially? Yeah, it could
2: well be. This, you know, you talked about we talked about strategies earlier. Maybe, you know, if you like, if you're thinking a bit more long-term stocks like the banks or whatever else, you know, a short-put strategy that gets you a bit of premium, you know, maybe that's not a bad time to do it. You can, you know, potentially, if it, goes, it falls further, well, you own the stock at, say, 16 bucks or sixteen fifty, dollars but it's... You know, if it does rally eight or ten percent, you're probably getting eight or ten percent for a three or four month premium depending on what option you sell. Look like I think um you know, there is a there's, there's been a hell of a lot of money raised, that's for sure. Um I think mm. there's possibly there's possibly been a rotation out of some of the fixed income and back into equities. Um you know, that's a you know, with yields where they are, the long term prospects for, for your for your fixed income portfolio doesn't look fantastic. Um and if you're seeing an ANZ trading at fifty percent where it was, you know, fifty percent of the level it was three years ago, maybe that's not a bad. No, maybe it's not a bad opportunity. No, I don't know. Like you know, you have to work that through. And you, and if you're thinking in the, in the Buffett sort of, you know, analogy, if you're thinking long term, you're not thinking about today or tomorrow or next week. Yeah, maybe that's no, that is a good opportunity to have a look at some of these names.
1: Yeah, definitely. In terms of you know, there was one thing that. Um, uh, I was chatting to one of the um, uh, fund managers out of uh, Nürburga, um and they run a um, list, uh, listed in income trust uh, yeah. on the ASX which um, mostly they, they're a US based company from memory and so a lot of their investments are in US and that was just when they were going through a pretty big placement and it was interesting I guess to back up your point um, that NBI code absolutely got Smashed in March, like it halved, uh, almost hmm. halved. I guess that was that was the first glimpse of people moving money out of um, uh, out of fixed income. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I guess the you know, is pretty fair.
2: Yeah, I think that's you know that's, a, that's the reality of it as well, right? You have to, you know, if you go to quarter end rebalancing as well, there's asset allocation issues there as well. So you know, that's your, all of a sudden you're overweight fixed income so is only probably it hasn't fallen as then I mean, a lot of the portfolios were down but not down as much as what the equities were obviously so asset really, you know asset allocation you have to roll out of some of the stuff as well so I think you know there's a few dynamics that are happening in the market that you you, you know you that just all add up to you know as it, pieces of the puzzle together it's interesting times and I think you know if, if you're looking longer term maybe it is a good time to invest maybe You know, you're cautious and you you put your $4.10 into the market. The market peels back, add another three, add another three later on. Mm. Muhammad Al aryan said that.
1: Uh, I think break it up into quarters, a fifth or something.
2: Oh, did he? Yeah. Yeah. He's he's Captain Bear from way back.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He's always been good at uh, – he would actually make a very good broker, always sitting on the edge. It's kinda of like yeah, I was throwing on the fence, you know, it's like, ah oh, the market, you know, bear, bear, bear. But you know, I'll kind of I'm kind of cautious, I'm buying slowly you know it's a new normal. Oh, it's all
2: clear. Um, looking for the retrospective scope.
1: <laughs> that's the best way to go. That way you're never wrong. Um Great. hey, Patrick, by the way, you know how you said I was super quiet. Now I've taken all the <laughs> things <laughs>
0: that's a good job. I just went I went to the fridge, got myself a beer, came back, uh just been sitting back enjoying. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's like, it's like and that guy's still talking Jesus I'm never unleashing him again
0: <laughs> no, no that's good no it's a good chat um, The uh, look I mean um, <clears throat> I'm going to ask one last question uh, and I think we probably should call it to a halt there but um, uh, Ro- Robbie are there any industries that you're focusing on i.e. more bullish uh, actually hang on a sec let me uh, or staying away from that's a
2: really nice question no, oh, I look I think not particularly is the answer there. I think you're you know, it's fairly easy to see the ones that are struggling and you know, travel and um hospitality. It's been pretty tough for those guys. Um you know, banks the banks look really interesting, like depends on what your longer term view is. I mean these things are I don't know if you can bring up a chart of just say A and it seems to be on the screen at the moment, but um yeah, the longer term chart of that thing you know where it's trading today, it's not far off those GFC lows. and Look, they'll be, they'll, you know, their margins are still pretty good. I mean, I'm not an analyst, but, um, you know, they, that's, to me, something like that's an interesting space to look at. Um, I think, you know, the resources are also, you know, I sort of, BHP got down to, what, 23 bucks or whatever, traded at the bottom, I sort of thought, well, that's, that's quite an interesting level. Now, people are talking about future growth, you're, you're thinking that, you know, iron ore and whatever else is going to play a big part of infrastructure spends and those sort of up in China as well. I mean, there's some talkers on a chat the other day, they talked about China potentially building 19 new cities um, as part of their sort of, you know, push for for pushing, you know, for growth, for uh, maintaining the rage up there. That's just an extraordinary concept to even try and comprehend. So I think, you know, resources still probably look all right to get into them a little bit cheaper, that'd be great. Um, and, they, and the thing with those guys as well is they, they seem to be generating a hell of a lot of cash at the moment. So dividends probably should be still pretty strong in those names. Um, I'm not sure whether they're going to be investing too much and maybe they'll be looking for cheap cheap businesses to buy. But um, yeah, so those are a couple of interesting spaces that, that appeal at the moment. Um, you, know, you can see on that ANZ chart, what's that, 2002 it was trade, I mean obviously that's I don't think that's total return, so there's some dividends to go on that. But just on a pure stock level, that's um, it's looking pretty good, isn't it? From The well, chart looks dreadful, but um, now if it is to bounce back at some point, probably doesn't look too bad. But I think there needs to be a bit more clarity around what the economy is doing in Australia in the next 6 or 12 months. Absolutely. Um, yeah, but what are we talking from a high of... Um... Well, it's 30-something, wasn't it?
0: Yeah,
2: thirty
1: six ninety. Oh, yeah. Um, I think yeah. the the thing though is that I mean that that's like two thousand and fifteen, and then you look at even two thousand and nineteen; it was underperforming. Um yeah. You know, if you look if you're looking at banks, I think. Um, uh, I mean, obviously, who knows? But um, if you look at sort of things like CBA's come off a lot; that's been struggling as well. Um, Westpac obviously has had. Lots of question marks around that as well. So if you're picking between the big four. Oh and then Bank of Queensland, I think, if I'm not mistaken, got absolutely
2: annihilated. If I'm not mistaken. C B A chart. I, mean, I think CBA just seems to well, seems to be a better business. But um I think where I think interestingly for for the listeners and, and you know, an option strategy like this, not so much C B A, but certainly um we wow look at that. Um, <laughs> yes, I was right. <laughs> that's a pretty truthful state of affairs. $4.80, well, But I think, you know, from an option strategy point of view, and something like ANZ that's come out, they've cleared the decks, so they've said they're not paying a dividend, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. it might be, you know, it, selling a put, depending on where Vol, I'm, I'm not quite sure where Vol's trade month, but it, it might be interesting. There might be a limited downside in it. It might be a lower risk trade than potentially looking at someone like Afterpay or something like that. Um, you might be able to pick up some good premiums from a short put, given the elevated bowl levels. Um, you've obviously got to be prepared to take that risk. That the stock may, you know, fall down to 14 bucks or something like that. But those sort of things, where if you've got the if you've got the cash behind you and you're happy to take the stock at these levels and take a longer view, you know, maybe it's not a bad time to you know, maybe get two two put rolls out of it, and it could be a good opportunity. Unfortunately, uh Bank of Queensland
1: is uh a little bit above my budget, two point one nine billion market cap. So uh fortunately I don't have two bill sitting in my pocket.
2: That's amazing, isn't it? Look at that.
1: Wow. That's space. Uh yeah, that's not good. That's hard. Good point there from, from David though, it's a it's a well, you mentioned there's bad business model, it depends on the franchisees. Um yeah. which I guess is starting, you know, in banking now. God, that's that's going to be hard, especially with Neo Banks coming in. Yeah, um, I was chatting to today, and Jesus, like the the amount of stuff they're absolutely ramping on the path. They're they're a full ADI now, um, and Yep. you know, for the next two three years, they're going to be there um, competing. So there's a lot of competition coming in. Yeah, their
2: problem is working capital. Obviously, they need to keep that coming in to keep them afloat. It's a tough time to be doing mm. that on a non-profit. Business, but I think the the longer term view of those neo banks and that seems to at the moment seems to be pretty good. And it is tough competition for the big guys. So, um, and they have, and really in this country it's still still in its infancy. So who knows how that plays out? Maybe it caps these things. It's
1: a uh, is such a low margin business as well. It's um, yeah, I mean it's certainly so many competitors that can come in and. And
0: playing it, yeah. Uh. All righty. Well, I'm going to, on that note, call the session to a halt. <laughs> thank you uh, very much uh, great to have you along, mate. We'd love to get you back here again um, in the future at yes. some point in time. Yeah, that was that was brilliant. And we, we, should, we should probably just book in an hour and a half straight away. Yeah, for the next one. <laughs> yeah. um, but, uh, no, no, really, good. yeah, everyone, uh, lots of really positive feedback, uh, Robbie, and I'll send it through to you, but a lot of people thanking you uh, for getting get, for coming along and very appreciative uh, of your time, as are we. Uh, so thank you very much for that. Uh, and, again, we'd love to have you back again um, and uh, all the best for things over at Sasquatch. We'll be up uh, in Sydney. Hopefully in a not-too-distant future um, for a beer, Um, but um, yeah, otherwise, uh, Ivan, thank you and thank you to everyone for making the time to get along today. If you haven't already, if you're not using a platform, you want to get a trial, remember to type in yes, Um, for those of you that are playing the game and going through the education stuff, we'll be running a session tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, details, just type in attend and we'll get you set up there or... Uh, or or you can get in through the the morning uh, market update. We'll have the way you can uh, book in through there as well. Um, Other than that, thank you very much and have a great night, guys. Cheers. Thanks, guys.